Good morning. Good morning. It is great to be here. After I think uh, maybe a year and a half ago or so, we, we were able to visit. And uh, for those of the, uh, those of you that don't know me, my name is Micah Tuttle, and um, uh, First Colony has has supported us as as missionaries um, for about the last 15 years or so. And uh, we were about 18 years in Peru, and. Um, uh, the Lord has has led us back to the states at, at least for for a few years for a time. I'm, I'm just praying and begging God that He would uh, send us back to Peru, but uh, He's made it very clear that uh, He wants us here for a time. And um, I think Dick Dick Nor was uh, mentioning something that I would uh, inform you a bit about uh, what we're doing. And uh, um, I, I really I don't want to use the time that much to do that. I, I will I guess I'll start with this. Um, uh, and there's there's so many things to say. Um, we're just we're not going to get out on time, so don't don't plan on getting out on time. Um, but just quickly before we get into the scriptures, uh, um, we we came back from Peru about uh, two years ago, and I was scheduled to speak at a youth conference and a missions conference on the East Coast, and uh, um, wanted to to visit some of the. Uh, some of the churches and friends and family here, and then we were planning on being back in Peru about three months later. And uh, uh, I, I was I was preaching uh, in an assembly in in Connecticut. And I got done preaching and I sat down in the back, and uh, a guy came up to me and he said, uh, "Brother Micah, you don't know me and I don't know you, but uh, I, I just uh, feel like the Lord is telling me to tell you." Why don't you consider staying in the States for a few years and encourage the churches and, and young people in the areas of evangelism, discipleship, church planting, and missions? And I thought to myself, as if the Lord told you to tell me that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'm going back to Peru. I told him that. I, I didn't tell him the other thing. That's, I, I, but I told him I'm going back to Peru and uh, just kind of shrugged it off. Um, that night, I was preaching in another church, uh, Long Island, New York, and... Um, um, I got done preaching. I sat down in the back. I didn't know anybody there. And uh, I sat down in the back and, and a guy comes up to me and he says, Brother Micah, you don't know me and I don't know you, but uh, I, I really feel like the Lord's telling me to tell you, why don't you consider staying in the States for a few years and encourage the churches and, and young people in the areas of evangelism, discipleship, church planting and missions? And I thought, that's exactly what the guy said this morning. This is, everybody's gone crazy, as if the Lord's telling these people, and I just, no, you're crazy, I'm going back to Peru. I was a little bit more forceful with him. And uh, <clears throat> on Wednesday, I had the opportunity to, to preach at another a prayer meeting, and, um, and I, I got done preaching, it was a, a kind of a small group, but I sat down in the back, and, and a guy comes up to me, and, and I, I didn't recognize any of these guys in the crowd. As I'm preaching, I kind of see faces, and I recognize, and, and uh, but all these guys... I don't know what that means, but uh, th- this guy comes up to me and, and afterwards and he says, you know, Brother Mike, I really, I, I don't know you and you don't know me, but I really feel like the Lord's telling me to tell you, why don't you consider staying in the States for a few years and encourage uh, the Lord's people in the areas of evangelism, discipleship, and church planting and missions? And I just verbatim, exactly the same three times in a row as, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? No, I'm, I'm going back to Peru. Sunday, the next Sunday then, Sunday morning, I preach again, I sit down in the back, and, and this time, I, I sit down and I am looking like this way and that, where is the prophet coming from? And, and unbelievably, this guy, here he comes, I don't recognize him, and he comes up and I, I, told, I know what you're going to say. And he says, he like looked at me kind of confused. He said, no, I don't know you and you don't know me, but uh, I feel like the Lord's telling me, why don't you consider staying in the States for a few years and encourage? And I kind of, I just finished the last sentence for him. And I just, I just sat down and, and I just, I put my head in my hands and I just cried. And I, I, this isn't between me and you, this, the messenger here. This is between me and God. And Lord, I just want to go back to Peru. I just feel like my heart's been ripped out. I just I want to be in Peru. Actually, the first seven years that we were in Peru, I just wanted to come back to the States. But uh, you get over this hump, and, and then the Lord begins to do things, and you pour your 
blood and sweat and tears and energy and money and everything into the work. And the Lord begins to do things and people are getting saved and churches are being planted and, and men are rising up to lead the ministry. And it's just so exciting. I just want to be a part of it now. And right when things really get going, the Lord like takes me out. And it just, I, so I've just, I've actually, Amy keeps telling me like every day, she's like, Micah, you just got to get over it. And it's been two years. And so I've been wrestling with God. And that's why I want to preach this passage, Genesis chapter 32. And this is where Jacob wrestles with God. Um, It doesn't say he wrestles with God, but it's clear when you get to the end of the passage. And actually from Hosea chapter 12, verse 4, it's clear he wrestled with God himself. And um, I think that this passage, I love this passage, and, and I think it's so applicable to all of us. All of us, God has us at different places and using us in different ways, and each one of us are going through different storms in life, and some are going through really difficult things. This passage right here is for you. Grab a hold of these truths right here. And I'm just, I'm preaching to myself. Um, And and so I guess I I told that story to kind of say that's what we're doing. Uh, Trying to encourage the Lord's people um, wherever He opens up doors. Here in the United States primarily, there's just so much potential to uh, impact and transform the world with the gospel coming from the United States and sending out missionaries. And and, and the, the... the mission field has come to us. Unbelievable how this country just... So, the nations have come here and the opportunity to share the gospel and make disciples and, and prepare. And some of those are going back to their countries. Hopefully we just make Christ's name great here and, and that can impact the nations from this point. And just seeing the potential there. So we're trying our best to encourage the Lord's people and young people and the churches in, in the areas of evangelism. Uh, discipleship, church planting, and missions. And it's been amazing how the Lord's just opened up doors in so many places and so many ways to do that. And there's so many details, and I don't have time to talk about that. I want to I just get into the Bible. Genesis chapter 32, starting in verses 20, verse 22, and I'll go to the end of the chapter, 32. I'm reading from the ESV. It says this, The same night he arose and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children. And he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and he sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And the man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob... He touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name should no longer be called Jacob But Israel, for you have striven with God and with men, have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him. As he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Lord God, some of us just need to go home, get alone with you and just wrestle. We need you. We want you and you alone. You're the blessing. Oh, how I want the blessing. 
We live in a world full of distractions. And we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. Oftentimes we just we don't even realize. We have no idea the spiritual battle that's going around. There are so many things that are happening right now. In this room. Different circumstances and different people's lives. Lord, we just cry out to You. We need You. You are our God. I pray that You would help me to say the things that You want me to say now. Put this time into Your hands. In Jesus' name, Amen. So look at these first two verses. No, before that, in the context, Jacob is going down this path of wasting his life. If you read the story of Jacob up to this point, the guy, he's a liar, he's a cheat, he's self-centered. He, everything, every circumstance, everything in his life, he tries to use to his own advantage. The guy's an idiot. He grows up in a Christian home, you could say. But I don't think he really knows the Lord. And now he comes to this pivotal moment in his life. His whole life, he's kind of one step ahead of the consequences. The consequences never quite catch up with him. And now he gets to this this crisis moment. In the passage before this, he hears Esau and 400 big, burly, scary dudes are after him. And he's scared. The last time he saw Esau, his twin brothers, like 20 years before that, and he stole the birthright from him. He, he, he totally pulled a fast one on his brother and on his dad. And, and, and now Esau has been holding this against him. Last he heard, Esau wanted to kill him. And now he just hears that Esau's coming and he's got 400 scary guys with him. And, and now Jacob is really afraid. He's got this crisis moment. And, and he starts praying actually at the beginning of this chapter. If you go in the beginning of this chapter, you see in, in verse um, 6, it says, Messengers came to Jacob. And he says, Your brother Esau are coming. 400 men are with him. And then Jacob's greatly afraid and he's distressed. And in verse 9, it says, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I'm not worthy of the least of the deeds of steadfast love and faithfulness that you've shown to your servant for I crossed this, this Jordan with my staff only and now I've become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother. And he's afraid. He's just crying out to the Lord. And then he stops in the middle of his prayer and this is where we pick it up again. In, in verse 22 the same night he arose he took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven children he crosses the fort of the Jabbok this, this creek and then he took them and he sent them across the stream and, he, and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. This is a picture of prayer right here. It's in the context. He's praying earlier and then he kind of stops. It, maybe the kids are crying and, and, the, and the animals are causing problems. Or maybe one of his wives... Is complaining. I don't know. And uh, he, but he takes everybody, puts them on the other side of the creek, and then he comes back and he just gets down on his knees in the sand uh, on the orilla edge, on the edge of the river, on the shore of the river. There he's on his knees and he just begins to wrestle with God. And he's crying out and he's praying, God help me! Crisis moment. I, I, I don't know what to do. I need you. He's crying out. And then, out of the forest, a man comes out and jumps on him. Puts him in a, in a half Nelson or is it a full Nelson? Uh, and, the, and they start wrestling. And that prayer is wrestling with God. What a picture right here. How many of you have ever wrestled before? Anybody was on wrestling team? I, I was never on wrestling team, but I, I like to wrestle with my kids. And, and now I've got, Javen and Cullen are 20 and 21 years old, and, and uh, growing up we'd wrestle all the time. Well, the other day, they actually, they jumped on me. And they thought, you know, we're going to take Dad. And now we're big enough. And, and uh, we wrestled, and we went at it. Probably five minutes, uh, we were, I was thinking, I still do push-ups and sit-ups every morning. I can take these guys. And... After about five minutes, I was completely exhausted. 
Jacob wrestled all night. All night long. This guy was the man. In five minutes, I mean, in a real wrestling match, you are dead. You are spent. He wrestles all night with God. Man, you just need to go to your prayer closet and, and throw your cell phone in the creek. Get off of Facebook. Stop checking the scores to the basketball game. And just wrestle with God. And that's what you see Jacob right here. He's wrestling with God. And like I said earlier, in Hosea chapter 12, verse 4, the prophet gives like this inspired interpretation of it. It says it was the angel of the Lord that he wrestled with. All in the Old Testament, every time you see the angel of the Lord, it's a pre-incarnate Christ. It's a Christophany. After, in the New Testament, you never see the angel of the Lord. It's because he took on flesh and blood and now he sits at the right hand of the Father on high. He's wrestling with Jesus Christ Himself right here. Prayer. Um, I'm just preaching to myself. I need to pray more. There's a, an illustration that I love to tell about prayer. And actually, they say this story happened in Texas. Um, small town in Texas. Something like five churches in this small town and, and there was no um, discoteca. Uh, do you say discoteque? Club. Nightclub. No nightclub. So a guy, a businessman, comes into the small town. He sees it. There's a lot of youth. There's, there's no nightclub. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'll put this nightclub in. So the pastors start getting together to pray that the Lord would take this nightclub out. And uh, after a, a couple of days of the, the pastors gathering to pray about this, uh, a storm comes and, and a lightning bolt falls, catches the nightclub on fire, and it burns to the ground. And so the owner of the nightclub takes the pastors to court and he presents his case and he, he tells the judge, look, everybody knew in the town these pastors were getting together to pray that the Lord would take out the, the, the nightclub that I've put here. And then God sent this storm and he sent the lightning bolt, burned the whole thing down. It's the pastor's fault. They have to pray or they have to pay. They were praying. They have to pay. And, uh, and, and so after this, then uh, the, the pastors present their case and the pastors are like, judge, uh, yes, we were praying, but randomly. I mean, how can you blame us? This is a random act of nature, the, the, a lightning bolt. This is just uh, totally random. It burns it down. How are you going to blame us? And then the judge stands there and he says, well, one thing is obvious here. While the owner of the nightclub believes in the power of prayer, the pastors don't. I, and I find, my, find myself like, man, am I like that? Do we really believe in the power of prayer? I am praying for revival. Not, not fabricated and man-made, something that God does. That happens based on the Scriptures and that the Holy Spirit really brings about here in this nation. If something doesn't happen in our generation, like a special move of God, it will be the first time that God hasn't done a special move in, in generations since the early church. God is, I'm just praying that He would bring about revival, but it's got to start right here with prayer. The Lord's people wrestling with God. John Knox one of the famous reformers, known for his prayer life. I guess the Queen of Scotland, she made this statement about him. She said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Europe. <laughs> that guy must have known how to pray. That's amazing. William Carey, he, he was a shoe cobbler. He was the, known as the father of modern missions. He went to India as a missionary and, and the Lord used him in tremendous ways. But as a shoe cobbler, before he went to the mission field, um, he, he, somebody asked him, you know, what he did for a living. And he, and he, and he said, well, I, I fix shoes about 12 hours a day, but my real job is prayer. Do you see that as your real job? I'm an engineer 12 hours a day, but my real job is prayer. I'm an electrician for 10 hours a day, but really my real job is in the prayer closet. Man, I just, I don't think we pray enough. 
We've got to be more about prayer. All of the, you look down through church history, John Wesley, George Whitfield, E.M. Bounds, all these great men of God that were used by God and great moves of God in history started with men and women really getting on their knees and wrestling with God. And here you've got Jacob in the story. He's just, he's wrestling with God until the break of day. When's the last time he just prayed all night? Have you ever done that? A couple of times I've tried, I thought, I'm going to pray all night tonight. And I know me, so I put my alarm on for ten minutes later. And I find myself being awakened by my alarm. and I fell asleep. Just in ten minutes. You can't even pray ten minutes? Come on! But this is serious. Jacob is going through something. He, he's going through something big right here. And he's wrestling with God and it's all night long. Now look at verse 25, the first part of it. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. Just a minute. The man that's wrestling with Jacob is God. And it says that he didn't prevail against Jacob. That means Jacob's winning. How is that possible? A man, a mere man, is beating God in a wrestling match? What, what's going on here? I, I'm sure God let him beat him. God delights in our perseverance, in our persistence in prayer. Our daughter Maya, or all of our kids have done this, but really Maya, I guess, is known for it. She just, sometimes she'll want a cookie or, or some candy or something, and she'll be like, Dad, please, can I have just one cookie, please? And I say, no, nope, no cookies. And uh, she'll just, like, bother me, and she'll, she persists, and she insists, and she just, please, but please, and, and if, Parents, you should not follow my example. Your no should be no. But she just, she bothers me. And she, and, and I, she beats me. I give in. And I, I kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting, the persistence and the perseverance. God wants to see us persevere and persist in prayer. And you see this, is he beats God. Uh, really, God let him beat him. Let me read this statement by John Wesley. Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin in their own lives and want nothing but God and God alone. I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. They will shake the gates of hell and set up God's kingdom upon earth. That's an amazing statement. Just, just a few good men. Who fear nothing in this world except for sin in their own life. Fear that. Sin in your own life will render you useless. It will destroy you. Fear that and then fear nothing else. And go forward relying on God, prevailing upon Him in prayer. You know the verse in, in Matthew. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. This is a hard verse, but I think that this is what the idea, it, it, putting it into this passage in, in Genesis 32. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violence take it by force. It's like, that's a hard verse. What is it talking about? I think that's what we see right here. Sinners. They, 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 there's, the door of grace is cracked open just a little bit. And they fly at it. Let me in. I'm going in. And they fly at it almost in a violent way. Jacob, in a violent way, is wrestling with God in prayer. I want the blessing. I want you. And then look at this. In the second half of that verse, in that verse 25, back to Genesis 32, 25, second, verse, second part of that verse, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Sometimes God has to break you. I feel like I've been broken. 
I feel like God has touched me where it hurts the most. But if we really want God, I really want His blessing, and He is the blessing, I want God, sometimes you really, you really want God? He's got to touch you where it hurts the most. You have to be broken. And that's, God touches Jacob. He dislocates his hip. When I was uh, about 17, I was on my way to the NBA. Hey, don't laugh. That was really good. And uh, I was playing basketball and I tore my ACL, my left knee. Basketball was my god. I slept with my basketball. It was kind of embarrassing. But you know what? I thank God that he tore my ACL. God did that. God tore my ACL. And I look back now and I thank God that he did that. He saved my life. That forced me to run to him. He broke me and I had nothing else. I just forced to run to God. I, I, all my meaning and purpose went out the window. And I just I was forced to run to God and, and search for meaning and purpose in Him and in Him alone. Maybe God has to break you so that you can really be a useful instrument in His hands. God touches Jacob. I guess an illustration right here. Um, Maya, again, our... Uh, our fifth child. We have six. We're just kind of getting started. No, I think we're done. But uh, our fifth daughter, or our fifth child, Maya. Um, once in, in Peru, we uh, there was a water slide park that we visited on the coast of Peru and uh, when we were over there. And, and uh, all of our kids were going down. There was this one slide that was just super high and steep and you just came flying out of this thing like a bullet. And uh, our kids were, everybody was just having, having a blast. And, and Maya, she wanted to do it, but she didn't want to do it. She was afraid. She was scared to do it, but she's like, ah, I want to do it. And, and so I grabbed her, and I took her up there, and she's screaming. And I sit down at the top of the slide, and she is just, and I, it might be sinful, I don't know, you can pray for me, but... I have this problem where I just, it brings me great joy to see terror in the faces of my children. I don't know why. When I know that they're not really going to die, it's really okay, but it actually, it just makes me laugh really hard. Amy, she, she gets upset at me about this, but, uh, oh, it was, I was having so much fun, just the look of terror in her eyes, and she's, no! And uh, she latches on to this bar on one side and a bar on the other side, and I am just laughing, and I take one hand, and I, I, I pry off her fingers one at a time off of this bar, and then I get it over, and I hold it under one arm, and then with the other arm, I grab her fingers off one by one on the other, and she's just screaming, and I am laughing, and I get her arm, and I hold both of them, and we push off, and we just flew out of there, came flying out like a bullet. It was awesome. We get down to the bottom, and, and, and she is just so excited. Do it again! Do it again! But back up to when I pulled her fingers off and got her arms, when, she, when I got that last finger off, what do you think she did? She screamed, but then she held on to me. She grabbed, there was nothing else I had her arms, so there's nothing else to, so she grabbed a hold of me. It's exactly what God needs to do to us. Pry our fingers off of all the things that are precious to us in this world that are distractions from Him. Sometimes we're holding on to these idols. And He's got to pry our hands off of them so that we will grab a hold of Him. Look at verse 30. No, no, 26. Then He said, Let me go, for the day is broken. This is the angel of the Lord that says to him, let me go. The angel of the Lord says to Jacob, let me go. The day is broken. It, it, it wrestling match is over. Why did he say that? I, I might be totally wrong, but 
I kind of think that this is a test. He's, are you going to let me go? Now that your hip is dislocated, are you going to let me go? It's a fine, difficult, weird line between temptation and testing. It's clear in James 1 that, that God doesn't tempt anyone. But it's very clear also all throughout the Bible, God tests His people. And so on this razor edge of heresy, please don't, maybe I'll get kicked out after this, I don't know, but uh, God's testing here. And you think of the trials, and maybe some of you are going through really difficult storms right now. And on one side there's this temptation to let go of God in the midst of that trial. But on the other side, it's a test also. Some of you are going through really difficult family problems right now. And this test comes. And God whispers, let go. Are you going to let go of me? To grab a hold of sin? Pornography. Internet pornography that's just destroyed an entire generation. The opportunity to click on something comes up and no one will see it, no one will know. And it's a test as well as a temptation, but it's almost like God saying, are you going to let go of me to grab a hold of sin? You're going through a really difficult health problem right now. And you're just struggling. God, why do I have this? Why have you given this to me? And he whispers, let go. Are you going to let go of me? And then look at this. Look at how Jacob answers. Verse 26, the last half of it. Half of it. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I love those words. Those are like the best words of the Old Testament. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. Oh! The next time you face that temptation to let go of God in the midst of a storm, in the midst of severe, the severe trial of temptation, you just cry out to God like Jacob. No, I won't let you go. God, I won't let you go. Even though I don't understand why I'm going through this. I just want to go back to Peru. But you know what the most important thing is? I won't let you go. You're worth more to me than whatever ministry is out there. You're worth more to me than this sin that I want to grab a hold of. You're worth more to me than good health. You're worth more to me than this family problem that I don't understand that I'm going through. I won't let go. Man, we go through those trials. It's just like life is one trial after another, one test after another. And God's just asking, are you going to let go? And Jacob, he just passes that test with flying colors. I won't let you go. I want the blessing. You're the blessing. I don't care if you have to grind me into powder. I don't care if you give me cancer. I don't care if you kill me in the process. You dislocate my hip. I won't let you go. Where are the brothers and sisters with that mentality? Preach that to the health and wealth gospel preachers. And then look at in verse 27. And he said to him, what is your name? This is the angel of the Lord asking Jacob, what's your name? Why does he ask that? As if he doesn't know. You know what? If you're reading the story of, of Jacob here a couple chapters before, and you remember the story when, when Jacob's earthly father asked him the exact same question. 
Jacob comes in. Isaac is blind and can't see, and Jacob tries to pull that fast one. He actually he, he, he puts on Esau's clothes and he puts some fur on his arms because his, his, his brother's really a hairy guy and everything. And, and his brother, or his dad, uh, Isaac, asks him, he says, What's your name? Who are you? And Jacob lies and, and he says, <clears throat> Esau. And then Isaac is. Enganyao, fooled, and, and he blesses him. And it's almost like God here, as he's wrestling with Jacob, he, he's like, listen, you really want the blessing? You're wrestling with me because you want the blessing? There's something that we've got to talk about first. There's something that we've got, a problem that we've got to talk about. What's your real name? And I imagine that Jacob, as he's thinking about this, he's like, I know who I'm wrestling with. I Back with Papa Isaac, I could trick him, but I can't trick the angel of the Lord. Is If I tell him my name, if I tell him, I'm Jacob. Jacob means supplanter, heel grasper. Basically, it means cheat. It means liar. If I admit to Him, if I admit to God who I really am in all of my sinfulness and self-centeredness and wickedness, there goes the blessing. I'm never going to get the blessing now. And then look. He said, Jacob, he admits to him who he is. I'm Jacob. I'm the self-centered guy that, that I, I've been... Everything I try to use to my advantage. And I'm Jacob in all of my sinfulness and wickedness. And he repents, basically, you see there. And then after that, at the moment that he recognizes who he is... Look at verse 28. Then he said, the angel of the Lord said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. At the moment that he recognizes who he is, really in all the sinfulness and wickedness before God, God gives him a new name. Well, this is the Gospel. A new life right here. A new name. Israel means one who wrestles with God. It can also actually be translated one who wrestles for God. That's amazing. Think about that. If you want to be a wrestler for God, you must first wrestle with God. Maybe all night, go home and just get on your knees in the privacy of your own bedroom or somewhere. I, sometimes the bathroom is the only place to find it where I can just get alone with God, but just wrestle with it. I won't let you go until you bless me. I want the blessing. You're the blessing. The moment he recognizes who he is, is all his sinfulness and wickedness, God gives him a new name. And now that he's wrestled with God, now he can wrestle for God. Being one of God's warriors. Going out and trying to have an impact for time and eternity. Living a life that counts. But it all started with wrestling with God. And God gives him a new name. A new beginning. A new person. A new creation. A new creature in Christ. It starts all over. Actually, if you read a lot of commentators, a lot of commentators think that this is Jacob's conversion experience. He becomes a believer here. Yeah, he knew a lot about God and he grew up in a Christian home and had that heritage since his grandfather Abraham. And he kind of, yeah, kind of a religious guy. But here, he meets the living God. He wrestles with Him. And God gives him a new name. Some of you that are here need a new name. Maybe you know of God and you even have a Christian heritage, but you don't know God. He's never given you a new name. Look at this. He got a new name. And then, look at verse 29. I'm sorry I'm taking so long, but don't worry, I'm not tired. 
Verse 29, Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. It's kind of like, You know who you're wrestling with. I'm not telling you my name. Let's get to the blessing. And he blessed him there. Got it! He got the blessing. That's what he's wrestling for. I got the blessing. And you think over your own life. I think over my own life. And just think of, man, God has blessed me so much. I had the blessing of growing up in a Christian home at 12916 Northeast Hancock, Portland, Oregon. 97230. And in that home, God blessed me there. November 29th, 1996, I married Miss Universe, Amy Steller. And God blessed me there. When I was 24 years old, Amy and I, with two little boys, we went to Peru. Started learning from Bert Elliott and some of the other missionaries there and, and just trying to learn Spanish and trying to learn how to preach and trying to encourage the Lord's people and share the Gospel with everything that moves and make disciples. And God blessed me there. Moved up to the mountains and we were able to really start to go for it with more grasp of the, of the language and getting up on tables in different villages up in the mountains freezing to death and just trying to be a wild man for God. And God blessed me there. And we moved to the jungle and the Lord gave us a boat and started Bible institutes and churches and just trying to make Christ's name great everywhere we went. And even in sickness and difficulties, God blessed me there. And you think over your own life and you think, go through your life and, and you start to realize, man, God blessed me there and He blessed me there and He blessed me there. God blessed Him there. Those are great words. God blessed him. He got it. Listen to this. Wherever you go, whatever you do, if you're holding on to God, He'll bless you there. Whatever you do, wherever you go, if you're holding on to God in that wrestling match, I won't let you go. If you're holding on to God, He'll bless you there. Nothing better than the blessing of the living God on your life. Now, look at verse 30. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Peniel means face of God. And he names this place where he wrestles with God, he names it the face of God, Peniel. And I don't think what he's saying here is... I'm going to try not to hit the microphone. I wrestled with God and I beat him. I'm the man. No, 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 no. He's not saying that. He's saying, I wrestled with God. I, I saw him face to face all night. He got me in a headlock. I got him in an arm bar all night long. I saw him face to face and I survived. He let me beat him. I should be dead. He didn't kill me. Grace. Mercy. Love. Forgiveness. He forgave me. I'm Jacob. The cheat. The slanderer. The liar. He gave me a new name. Peniel, the face of God. I saw Him face to face and I'm not dead. Grace. Mercy. Love. Look at verse 31, the first part of it. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. The first part of that verse, the sun rose upon him. I just, I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't, you've got to be really careful. You should not do what I'm about to do. I'm going to spiritualize the text. The sun rose upon him. Spiritually speaking, a new day had dawned in the life of Jacob. The darkness was gone. The light had come. The sun had risen over Jacob. 
a new life, a new name, a new day. He starts over. Right here. You compare his life before this event with his life after this event. It's a different man. A different life. Yeah, there are difficulties that he goes through in in his family after this. And it's difficult. Some of the consequences that, that he suffers because of the life that he lives before this. But after this, you see a humbled, broken man that's leaning on God the rest of his life. The sun rose upon him. Oh, I want that. Walking in the light of a new day. That only the Lord God can give you. And then look at the, the last part of that verse that I just read. As he passed, he's, he, the sun rises upon him. As he passes Penuel, limping because of his hip. I love this. He's limping. And the rest of his life he probably limps. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says that he blessed Joseph's sons as he rested upon his staff. He probably, from this day on, he walks with a staff because he's got this limp. And can you imagine? He's like, the rest of his days, he, he's just limping everywhere he goes. And I imagine maybe one day as he's, he's walking, walking through town and he's, he's limping as he goes and, and some of the guys are sitting there and they're making fun of him laughing. Gimpy! Hey, Gimpy! And I imagine Jacob's like, you guys, you can make fun of me all you want. But this limp? I love this limp. Every single step I take with this limp reminds me of the night I wrestled with God. It reminds me of the night that He broke me. Reminds me of the night that I prevailed upon God. That night that He let me beat Him. Every time I take a step, it reminds me of the night He tested me. He actually said, let go. Will you let go in the midst of this storm? It reminds me every step. It reminds me when I cried out, I won't let you go. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. I want you and you alone. You're the blessing. I'm not letting go of God to grab a hold of lesser things. To grab a hold of sin. Every step reminds me of that night that I recognized who I was in all of my sinfulness and all my wickedness. I told Him my name. And when I did, He gave me a new name. And when He gave me a new name, I got the blessing. I was saved. Every step When I step, that that limp reminds me when He gave me a new name and I got a new day. The sun rose over me and now I have a new walk. I'm I'm sorry, I just, I preach to myself and you guys just have to listen. Need to wrestle with God. Like I said, I'm just praying that the Lord would spark revival but that it would be something biblical, something that really the Holy Spirit does, not man-made and fabricated. But it's got to start with wrestling with God. Brothers and sisters in, in churches across the country just go into the prayer closet and then spending time in, in prayer it collectively. You know, someone said about prayer, you can tell how popular a church is by how many people come Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the preacher is by how many people come on Sunday night. You can tell how popular Jesus is by how many people come to the prayer meeting. I'm sorry, I have the gift of offending people. Man, even if it hurts, even if God has to dislocate my leg, even if He has to grind me into powder, I need change. I need God and God alone. Where are the men and women that just cry out, I won't let you go. I need you, God. And some of you are going through very difficult times right now. 
And you hear that whisper, will you let me go? Cry out with Jacob, I won't let you go. I won't let you go. I want you. I want the blessing. And then the abundant blessing that there is in Christ gives a new name. It gives a new life. It gives a new walk. Oh, cry out to God for that. Then we'll begin to see revival in our own lives, in our families, in our churches. Let's pray. Father God, pray that you would somehow use my fumbling, bumbling words. But we do know that you use your word. And as we've just examined it and looked at this story, we just pray that you would grip our hearts with your great love. as Jacob must have been gripped that night as he realizes, I just saw God face to face and He didn't kill me. In fact, He blessed me. God, I pray that You would put into our hearts a burning desire to walk with You. We need a new walk. Put into our hearts a burning desire to know You more intimately. A burning desire to spend time, hours, wrestling with You. We want to put our lives into Your hands, crying out to You and saying, we won't let You go. Even in the midst of the most difficult storm, we put our lives into Your hands, asking that You would be glorified and that You would do great things in our generation, in our time as we look to You as we wrestle with You. And as we wrestle with You, we become those that wrestle with God. We pray that You would make us God's wrestlers. Useful instruments in Your hands. Fighting Your battles in a world that is so lost and so needy. So we put our lives into Your hands asking for Your help through the power of Your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen.